Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love, where talking about sex goes beyond the taboo and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. Today, my podcast title is Women Plus Sex, Reclaiming Sexuality on Your Own Terms. My guest today is Dr. Kate Balistrieri, a licensed psychologist, certified sex addiction therapist, PACT therapist, and founder of Modern Intimacy, a group therapy practice in Los Angeles, Miami, New York City, Denver, and Chicago. She's a regular contributor to at Poosh, P-O-O-S-H, Your Tango, and Psychology Today, and serves as the in-house expert for House of the Wise of Jimmy Jane. Throughout her work, Dr. Balistrieri focuses on helping people build resilience and recovery from their pain and discomfort and lead a life where they can thrive holistically. Today, she's going to talk with me about women reclaiming sexuality on their own terms. Welcome, Kate. Hi, Joan. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, yeah. It's so good to have you. I was telling, you know, I probably should have said this to you before we or after we got on here, but it is like having a little bit of a celebrity because I watch all your videos, even though I already know you, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we've had some interaction. But yeah, you, you're developing a persona and you're educating and um, your videos are very good on TikTok. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I feel the same way about your videos. I learned so much from you. Thank you. Right now I'm banned are because you- <laughs> I... Yes. And, and I want to talk to you at some point on this about why you, I don't know how, you, if you get banned, some of your stuff's way more controversial than mine. <laughs> All I did was talk about straight men who have sex with men. I repurposed my viral video uh-huh. and someone flagged it as hate. It got submitted for an appeal. I won, but then you still have violated community guidelines. So I'm out for three days. You know, I hear you. And I talk about this quite a bit on all the platforms, Instagram, TikTok, all of them, because I get banned frequently and repeatedly. And what I think is happening is people don't like to challenge ideas that they have understood as truths. So when we start putting content out there that disrupts what people understand to be their truth about the world that they live in, um, you know, they don't like it and they experience it as really hard to handle. So they make complaints and then we get flagged. I know. Uh, do you have it saying that you could possibly be a view only um, thing? You do? <laughs> I, I've taken a, a big break from TikTok because of all of the uh, censorship, but also it's just a really hateful platform. So many people speak and leave comments that are just absolutely harassing. So I took a break. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe my break is good because they always tell me to take breaks because I get so riled up and I never do. I can't do it. So it's a forced break. When I say they, it's my social media team. You know, it is like having a borderline response. I've looked at the entity as like a borderline is in your room, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting way to think about it. Collectively, there's a big fracture in the way that people respond to your content. You know, I've seen people who just love it and adore it and idealize it and, and find so much value in it. And then people who really just want to destroy it. (laughs) Well, we're not going to do that to your content today or mine. No. (laughs) And I love, and I've so, I mean, I could do this for an hour or more with you, but let's start with the first question, which is how do women reclaim sexuality on their own terms? And when did they give up this claim? You know, I really love that you're asking that question because, and the way that you've asked it, women never gave up the claim, right? Mm -hmm. Women's autonomy around sex was stripped from them many, 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 many years ago. 
um, I think around the uh, Joseph Campbell era of history. And there was a shift where we used to collectively really value women, worship women, think that women were wonderful and equivalent with men sexually and otherwise. And and then a real puritanical shift happened, I, I think, globally. And you know, now we have had centuries upon centuries of sexism and all kinds of misogyny. And in that process, that ideological shift is what really eradicated women's connection to their own sexuality and the permission that they give themselves and that is given to them about how they can be sexual as opposed to being sexualized and commodified for their sexuality. Yeah, and I have noticed in your videos, you've had to make, um, from time to time, your own um, people objectifying you and having to put that in place. That's got to be horrible. It's really frustrating. Yeah, especially, you know, there are content creators out there who who are are all about creating um, that kind of content. And I celebrate that. I celebrate them, you know, having that autonomy and doing that. It's not what I'm there for. And it's not what a lot of women are there for. And and they receive that kind of objectification on the daily because collectively society just tolerates it. So I'm done tolerating it. Yeah, no. And you're really, what I like about your your videos, even the way you speak is you say very um, strong things, but it's done um, the way you speak. I I don't know what the word is, but you're, it's sort of soft, but firm Mm. and grounded. Did anyone ever tell you that? Thank you. Yeah, when I used to work in the prison systems with sex offenders, I got uh, a reputation as the Velvet Hammer. <laughs> I love that. That's exactly what you are. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was more like that. I'm very firm-handed and I'm Jewish and I think that adds to the whole thing, you know? And you're also a man, so you can get away with that. If I start yeah. showing up like that, I get called all kinds of harassing things. Yeah, right. And the whole thing about male, female, like I love, I, I'm mm-hmm. just going to say, and I know it's because I haven't been hurt by this. I do like to be objectified on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I like, I have taken my, I'm almost 59 years old. I can take my shirt off and guys are like, and some women are like into me. That feels so good. But I know it comes from a different place because women are constantly treated that unwanted ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I want to say, I just really love the fact that you do that. It it has, it has really sort of cemented for me the um, permission that we as providers and as clinicians get to have to be whole humans. And I love it. So every time I see your videos, I'm like, yes, go Joe. <laughs> I <laughs> <Thank> love <you>. it. <laughs> um, but, but to be clear, you know, I think a lot of people like to be desired, but objectified feels very different, especially when women are objectified when, you know, in ways that just degrade their humanity. There's a way to celebrate that you appreciate someone's appearance without reducing them to a masturbatory sleeve. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. See, you just, <laughs> the words are just like so clear. I, I think about Esther Perel. Um, you know her, obviously mm-hmm. we all know her. Uh, she has a, uh, one of her lines in her talks is what she says, women want to be desired in bed and men like to be the ones doing the desiring. Mm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I really, she's so artful too. I love the way she speaks. Oh, like a poet, right? She's like a poet. She really yes. is. Um, I think, you know, what I hear in, in that quote is, is this idea that I think, you know, cisgender men are often socialized and conditioned to find a lot of value in giving approval to women. You know, this is something that they've been told over and over again. It is your job to desire women. It is your job to love them, to provide for them, to be, you know, in, 
of service in that way to women. So I think when they are the ones doing the desiring, it gives them a lot of uh, ego validation. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when it comes at the expense of a woman's humanity, it can be really detrimental. Right. And that's what your work is all about and reminding people and teaching people. Uh, and even just your presence reminds us about um, your humanity and your vulnerability, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? Yeah. Thank you. Let me ask you about the new reproductive laws um, and how they affect the sexual psyches of cishet women. Mm -hmm. Will you first talk about what the new laws are first? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm, I'm not an attorney, so I don't want to go too deep in the weeds about the legislation. But I think the, the highbrow topic to really cover is that there's really a, a, a new resurging war on reproductive rights in this country. And several states have put forth legislation to minimize or completely limit uh, abortions and that really, I think, takes a, a toll collectively on the minds of women because suddenly sex is not as safe as it once was. You know, I, I think women are blamed for being sexual. And I hear comments like, well, if they get pregnant, that's just, you know, that's their, they need to be responsible for their actions and have the baby. And first of all, that's just such an unfair thing to do to an unborn child, make them responsible for their parents' behavior. Yes. Um, but I think, you know, women are just, they're, they're getting shamed for sex, their, their options are limited, and the same kinds of um, responsibilities are not put on the shoulders of people with penises. And you need penises mm. and you need vaginas and, and uteruses to create a, a human. So I think it's, it's really challenging for women to be sexual, even in long-term committed marriages or relationships where, you know, maybe there's not the same uh, opportunity or pattern of being sexual with multiple partners. So I see a lot of women who are really confused. They don't know what to do because now having sex with their husband maybe isn't even safe anymore because what if they get pregnant and they're not planning to have any more children and mm. it's not something that's an option for them. So women are put in this really, really difficult double bind of wanting to be whole humans who get to be sexual and mm -hmm. um, having to be the only people who are going to bear the consequences of an unwanted pregnancy. At least that's sort of like the myopic view. No, I like your view. I, I, it's so strange to me to watch the juxtaposition of the Me Too movement mm -hmm. and the growing social justice for women and then to watch this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that bifurcation is loud right now because as we move toward a collective shift in our society, the people who have benefited from the old structures are really getting scared that they're not going to benefit anymore. And so they're yeah. going to push back and punch down so that they can try to keep as much control as they they think is merited. How does inconsistent emotional labor in relationships influence low libido? Yeah, so one of the things that is really, really hot right now on TikTok is this conversation about emotional labor and weaponized incompetence. Have you heard that term? I have, but I don't know what it means. Yeah, this is like one of my favorite terms ever. It Weaponized incompetence is a term that really means um, somebody is playing dumb or doing things wrong so they can get out of having to do things at all. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't know that I meant that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we see this a lot in um, straight cisgender relationships because, again, women are socialized to be hyper responsible and they're conditioned basically from birth to be mothers and, and take care of the home and do all the things. And men are not given that 
training, that language, that responsibility. So it, as adults, women end up being a lot more overfunctional. And I'm saying this in very big generalizations. I know not mm. all women, not all men, just for any haters out there listening. Yeah. <laughs> they'll hate anyways. <laughs> they'll hate anyway, yeah. Um, but so what is happening is there's a disproportionate amount of emotional and domestic labor where even though women are working outside of the home um, very frequently, they're still tasked implicitly with managing all the things that run their house and managing all of the things that impact everyone in their house, doctor's appointments, making lunches, field trip permission slips, all the things and taking care of their, their the emotional labor in a relationship. And mm -hmm. so their partners, uh, you know, say things like, well, I don't know how to get the kids dressed. I don't know how to find matching socks. I didn't know that the diaper went on face forward instead of face backward. <laughs> I don't know how to load the dishwasher, right? This is weaponized incompetence. And it and it's a, a collective double bind that everybody, I think, has sort of agreed to. And we're starting to disrupt that. Um, yeah. So what happens in terms of low libido, to answer your question, is women are exhausted and then they're being asked to be sexual with their partners and they probably mm -hmm. want to be on some level, but they don't have the energy for it. They don't have the bandwidth. They're touched out, they're drained, they're exhausted. And then they're shamed for having a low libido or having mm -hmm. no arousal. And it's a really, really um, pernicious cycle because then couples start to polarize and they start disconnecting. They don't build up as much goodwill and they build up resentment and contempt. You know the drill. I do. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. And I'm like, I like that you talk about low libido because that's one of the hardest things when I became a sex therapist to work with mm -hmm. is somebody that has, uh, you know, how helping them raise their libido, at least if it has this kind of a reason and you can work with the couple and, and, and stop all this emotional labor or reduce it, mm -hmm. it could come back. But low libido is hard to work with, isn't it? It's so hard. Well, I mean, you're asking somebody to pull energy from an empty well. Where are you yeah. going to get it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. No, I love that you talk about this. Now, I've been dying to ask you this okay. question. So I'm glad we're, this is my, this is an ongoing question for me and just loving the way you talk and what you think. Mm -hmm. So you talk about purity culture, mm -hmm. reinforcing a Madonna whore complex, mm -hmm. makes women the gatekeepers for sex and worth, mm -hmm. which increases harassment and sexual violence. Mm -hmm. I want to hear your views on that. <laughs> yeah, this is um, one of the really unfortunate ripple effects of purity culture, right? When you make one gender responsible for saying yes or no to sex all the time, then you're putting a ton of pressure on them being the people who facilitate other people's needs being met and their own needs being met. And they're also saddled with all of the emotional and social consequences of that. If they say yes, they're a whore. If they say no, they get to uphold all of that worth that is um, attributed to the Madonna or somebody who remains pure, if you will. Um, but then they're frustrated sexually and shamed and their partner is not getting what they need sexually in the relationship or just in dating. So we create this kind of cat and mouse game with purity culture that says women have to say no and men have to chase, convince, coerce and take. And it's it's just this really unfortunate gatekeeping situation, which then mm. creates the very kinds of pressures that a lot of men say they don't want, pressures to commit. Well, if you're going to shame women for being sexual, but you don't want a commitment, how do you think that's going to work out, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think collectively, as, as a society, we really have to sit back and ask ourselves, what purpose is this serving? And how are we creating a, a successful outcome or a lose-lose situation with some of these 
double bind rules that we have socially. Do you have ways that you help these kinds of couples when there is a Madonna horse split? Absolutely. I, I work with so many people who experience um, that kind of love-lust divide or, or madonna whore complex. I sort of see it in gradations because a love-lust div- divide, I think, is pretty natural and, and to be expected when you've been with someone for a long time. But for people who have higher levels of sexism um, and who really adhere to some of the rigidity of purity culture mandates... The, mm-hmm. There does tend to be an amplified Madonna whore complex where women is seen as all good and to be provided for and protected or all bad. And therefore, I can shovel all of my sexual and erotic energy your way and destroy you. And I don't have to care about you. So it's mm-hmm. it's I think it requires a lot of deconstruction uh, and understanding how somebody came to develop that ideology and what they really want to maintain. And then we work on helping them build a healthy construct and a healthy script for arousal, but it takes time. It does take time. Yeah. Um, can you talk also about online sexual harassment and how it influences libido? <laughs> and we were just talking about this, right? I'm right. so curious. Do you get a lot of sexual harassment as a man? No, I do. I don't. I get a lot of sexual interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they slide into my DMs and, you know, I'm just very polite. Thank you. And, but that's not what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. But I don't get it. Doesn't it's not I never really had creepy come uh, to me. Oh, you're so lucky. Mm-hmm. You're so lucky. I think on a daily basis, I get some sort of unsolicited nude photo or I've been getting a lot of audio and video, um, unsolicited oh. audios and videos sent my way on Instagram and, and other platforms, it's, it's really um, difficult to stomach sometimes the amount of entitlement that people have toward the, the female body. Um, so a lot of women who receive these kinds of unsolicited advances and harassing um, narratives and dialogues and images, they start to see sex as something that's unsafe. And they start to see men as something, as some, as people who are unsafe. And that implicitly starts to shut them down little by little to the idea of being sexual volitionally, mm. right? Mm. It's really hard to create a lot of erotic energy if you feel like you have to be self-protective all the time. Yeah, right. That makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't get videos. I mean, I do get those kind of pictures that you, uh, but I guess I don't find them creepy in the gay community. It's like normalized, yeah. you know, maybe I should think of it as creepy, but I just think, okay, you just sent me a dick pic, whatever. Um, I'm just going to say, you know, thanks, but no thanks, yeah. you know, or, or I ignore it, you know, mm-hmm. but I totally get that for a woman, especially when it's constant, constantly, and it's unwanted. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not good. Yeah. And, it, and it's not just about that. When you say no, or don't respond, often there's a, re- a, a retaliatory response. There's a critiquing of appearance or calling names or um, threats to report you for your content. And it's like, there's this one-sided just conversation happening that you you can sort of watch the arc of someone's hope and then the arc of their anger when their hope is not met. And it's really, really um, difficult to watch and uh, can be really scary. See, that is information I wouldn't know. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. If I, Oh, I get, sent me a picture. Oh, I sent back. Don't, <laughs> you know, and then it stops. But for a lot of women, it doesn't. And it makes sense what you're telling me, but I don't think that way. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know that men do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, a whole other conversation could be why do straight men do that to women and gay men don't? Not that gay men never do it to other men, uh-huh. but it's so much less, it seems. Yeah, well, gay men aren't women, right? And so right. they don't get kicked the same way women get kicked, right? Because mm-hmm. there's not the same expectation of women being in servitude to men's needs. Yeah, that's true. God, there's so, I, I want to have you back and talk about <laughs> all that. But I mean, I want people to go to your TikTok and your Instagram is amazing. Oh, you know, like, you. you know, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, what about sex after sexual trauma? What can you, I know it's a short thing here, but like, how could you explain that? Yeah, well, for anybody who wants more information, um, if you don't mind a shameless plug, you can no. go, thank you. You can go to my YouTube channel, Modern Intimacy, and I've actually got about an hour and a half long webinar that I did about the dimensional impacts of sexual trauma for survivors. That can be a great place to start if you're really mm. kind of trying to understand how has my trauma impacted me and how do I talk about it with a partner? Um, but sex after trauma, it can be really hot and exciting again, but it takes sometimes a little bit of intention and, um, a little bit more communication. So, you know, I certainly don't want to sound reductionistic and, um, and say that it's easy, but, um, learning how to be present in your body and staying in the moment and communicative with a partner about what works, what doesn't, when you feel triggered, when you feel alive and excited, you know, these are things that can help you take sex back on your terms. And um, I always say too, you're going to get re uh, provoked. You're going to have triggers that come up and expect that and then have a protocol in, in place so that you can talk it through. Totally. Totally. And sometimes people actually like to incorporate elements of the trauma into their volitional sex play because it gives them a way to have their power back and to take control over a situation where they felt really helpless. I saw you talking on TikTok about CNC, consensual (laughs) non-consent, and I was shaking. I'm like, because everybody wants me to talk on my, you know, followers. I'm like, I'm not fucking talking about this on TikTok. I'll be banned for life. But you didn't get. Yeah, I didn't get banned for life. I did, um, just like a funny aside, uh, I just was uh, contacted by um, Vice in Japan and they want me to talk about CNC kink because apparently in Japan, I didn't know this, there are like whole um, erotic fantasies that get played out in a simulated experiment where people are going onto a simulated bus where everybody there has consented, of course, um, but they're acting out fantasies of fraturism and groping and other kinds of things. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? And the question is, is this okay? Or is it setting up an implicit permission for people to do this in non-simulated real life? Mm, that's great. I can't wait to read that article. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last question I want to ask you is, um, you recently wrote an article about queer majority that called for a re- reclamation mm-hmm. of the word slut. Mm-hmm. You made the assertion that sex positivity is necessary for world peace. Could you speak on that? Yeah, it's it's a it's a big statement, right? Call me a slut for world ple- for world peace. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, the article's for queer majority and I, I think it's out, but if it's not it should be soon. Um, and in it I, I really started thinking about what's going on in the world with this regression, right, of sexual repression that we were talking about earlier. Because there there is a movement for sexual liberation and then a pushback. And just like many communities have taken words that have been shaming and degrading and reclaimed them as their own, I'm calling for us to do that with the word slut. Mm. And let's make this a positive thing that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how many people you've been sexual with, but 
speaks to a sex positive mindset, right? Like you get to be sexual in a way that's meaningful for you. Go slut, go, right? Something mm -hmm. along those lines. Let's take this word back and make it a positive thing because sex negativity is behind so much of the world's ails, so much greed, so much power jockeying, all of that. And when we have a more liberated and shame-free position about sexuality, all of that quiets down. Yeah, no, I love, love, love that. Um, we have a few more minutes left. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure is added? Oh, gosh, I feel like we could talk about so many things. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't really think. I mean, not nothing that we could go into with real depth. Then I have one more question. Okay. I have to ask you. I've wanted to ask you this for a long time. <laughs> Your dog's hair is orange. <laughs> you dye it, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's so cute, oh, but I thought it can't be real, right? No, no. She, she's apricot in color, but I got a little creative a few years ago and, and cut her hair like a lion and then dyed her mane and dyed her tail. And I just loved it so much. I kept it. I love it. And I have to tell you one of the sweetest videos, and I have watched it several times. I don't know why it really touches me is you talking to your young self. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't know what it is about your video, but just no talking and the words and the way you look and everything. I don't know. That was very brave of you to make. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was a vulnerable video to make because it, it touches on a pain that I think a lot of women go through when they make certain life choices that differ from the trajectories their families have decided for them. So mm -hmm. it was, that was tough, but I really appreciate you saying that and uh, seeing the mm -hmm. tenderness in it. Yeah, and it's pinned to your <laughs> profile so people can see it easily. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Um, so, Kate, where can people find you? Um, on Instagram and TikTok, they can find me at Dr. Kate Balistrieri. It's D R K A T E B A L E S T R I E R I. Lots of vowels in that name. Um, and on Twitter, Kate Balistrieri or my website, modernintimacy.com. Yeah, you are very easy to find on many platforms. So uh, definitely, I hope people do that. And I so appreciate you came on my show and agreed to it. And um, maybe we'll do it again. I would love that. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you. And I want to just tell my listeners, you can hear more about my podcast, Smart Sex, Smart Love at SmartSexSmartLove.com. And you can also go and follow me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. All of that is at Dr. Joe Court, D-R-J-O-E-K-O-R-T. Thanks for listening to me, everybody, and we'll see you next time.